Welcome beyond, welcome beyond our focus. I'm Stefan, this is Amanda, and this is Let's Palaver About Wizard and Glass. The fourth novel in the Dark Tower Saga, written by Stephen King. We are in the sixth chapter of the second part of the book. I forgot to put my bookmark You have a pretty owl. I don't know why. I don't remember, I don't remember. why. <laughs> I really don't remember. <laughs> I don't either. But I totally forgot to put my bookmark back in. I uh, titled Shimi. Shimi. Good old Shimi. I don't remember how old Shimi is. Oh no. Good old, good young she. I don't know. Good Shimi. Good Shimi. Shimi is good. We all like Shimi. Everyone should like Shimi. Good hearted fella. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, around 10 o'clock, 10 o the clock, the trio of young men from the inner baronies made their manners to the host and hostess, then slipped off, slipped off, off into the fragrant summer night. Cordelia Delgado, who happened to be standing near Henry Werner and Barony Stockliner, remarked that they must be tired. Werner laughed at this and replied in an innocent, an innocent, <laughs> an <laughs> accent so thick it was almost comic. Nay, ma'am, buys that ager like rats exploding in woodpile after. Huckin' rain, so they are. It'll be, it'll be hours before they're asleep in the bar, okay. What? They're exploding the wood pile? Ex- exploring? You know what? I was trying to put an accent on it. That's it, what it is. Well, it works. I mean... I was just... Just picturing rats going in with TNT and just... Once again, I'm going to throw this out here. You need to watch season three. One, I'll get to it. Two, I don't even want to know what that has anything to do with rats going in with TNT and blowing up a wood pile. So, you can keep that. I'll be over here. Season three. Okay. I'm just telling you, you need to get to it. That's all I'm saying. I will get there. You're behind. It needs to happen. I'm, I still don't want to know why this relates to anything going on. You would know um, if you've seen season three. He's talking about Stranger Things, by the way, if you didn't get it. Yeah. Or maybe you did because you do know what he's talking about. But See? If you're like me, you have no idea what he's talking about and you don't want to know. Be cool with the rest of the cool kids. Watch <laughs> season three. <laughs> Anyways, I think um, we're reading. Yes. Maybe. So pretty much, for some reason, Cordelia Delgado seems to have... Some concern for the boys. Oh, they must be tired. Like, Cordelia, you don't care about shit, okay? <laughs> hate that woman. Yeah. Olive so Thorne left the public room shortly after the boys, pleading a headache. She was pale enough to be almost believable. That poor woman. Yeah. That's a poor woman. Um. After that, the mayor, of course, got everybody together and they had a little... Pow wow about the uh, uh, talking about the affici- the affiliation. Affiliation. And about how they were so just relieved that they're they're so young. They don't have to worry about them because they're just so mm-hmm. young. And Jonas was just over and off in his little corner smiling to himself, like, yeah. So you think, just go ahead, underestimate these people, that's fine. And then we have Susan. She's in one of the mayor's rooms? Nope. It's by midnight, Susan was at home undressing for bed. But... I thought she was at Thorne's house. No, uh, she. it goes back. I know, it goes Thorne. into... Um, the first note that I had was pretty much the fact that she says, Mr. Ain't We Fine, Will Dearborn, 
she was pissed off at him. And I just find that funny considering her aunt uses <clears throat> Miss oh, oh, so so pretty, oh, Miss pretty. Oh So Pretty, Miss Oh So Young, young and Pretty. It's funny because it sounds like a Oz, Wizard of Oz thing. And we'll get more into Wizard of Oz in this book. A lot. So yes, we find out that after the party, uh, Mayor, of course, cornered her and got a little groping and was like, you know, I just can't wait. So reaping. Just, yes, I, I, just, I just can't wait. But we all can. Yeah. Okay, we, we all can all, We wait. all can. Each day of the summer seems an age. So it seems four or five ages. So... Literally, she's mad at Thorne, she's mad at Aunt Cord, she's furious with the self-righteous prig of Will Dearborn. Most most of all, however, she was angry at herself. There are three things you can do in any situation, girl, her father had told her once. You can decide to do a thing. You can decide not to do a thing. Or you can decide... Oh, or, you can, or you can decide not to... Not to, or you can decide not to decide. That last, her da had never quite come out and said he hadn't needed to, was the choice of weaklings and fools. She had promised herself she would never elect it herself, and yet she had allowed herself to drift into this ugly situation. Now all the choices seemed bad and honorless, all the roads either filled with rocks or hub deep in mud. Okay, and then it says in her room at Mayor's house. Oh, okay, no, that's Olive. Okay, got it. They keep going back and forth between characters. That's so. But yes, so she's Olive's pretty much just. It go. It kind of goes over how she's thinking about how she said she really does love her husband. How she is pretty much dying inside that she's watching him parade this young, pretty thing around. Meanwhile, she's been with him for, like, ever, so. And there was a time, not so long ago, when Hart would have, wouldn't have allowed himself to be fobbed off in such fashion by the likes of Reimer. A time when he had, would have taken one look at Eldris Jones and his friends and sent them west air. West air? West where they had so much as a single hot dinner in them. Uh, but that was before Hart had become besotted with Cy Delgado's gray eyes, high bosom, and flat belly. I would say, uh, I think he's not more obsessed with her than her gray eyes. Yeah. Well, I mean, she had mentioned before that the entire night she kept seeing him sit there and try to stare down the girl's dress. So, yes, we, we assume so. Was there much? The dress that I'm thinking her wearing was really much to stare down. No. I mean, they seem to be on um, a display. Uh, so, pretty much they said after a while, everyone kind of just trickled out of the mayor's house, and yet there was no gent- gent- is gent- gentry, gentry, I can't say it, on view at the traveler's rest, however, and beneath the all-encompassing gaze of the romp, the night was still fairly young. So we are now in the traveler's rest. The bar, the tavern, pretty much, that we got a huge, giant description of, I think, the last chapter. Or the chapter. Yes, yes. Well, tra- traveler's rest... There's going to be a lot of this book. A lot takes place here. A lot happens here. Hmm. So we got the piano player jamming out. We got some chick named... What is it? Petty? Yep. Petty. Just yelling out songs and stuff like that. And then we got... Shimi. Yes, we... Well, I... Um, uh, yep, Shimi. It's right there at the very top. Shimi stepped beside the piano, the camel bucket in one hand, grinning up at her in an attempt to sing along. Petty swatted, swatted him on his way, never missing a word. Bump or grind, and Shimi went with his particular laugh. Peculiar laugh, there we go. 
which was shrill, but somehow not unpleasant. And then we get a lot more description. Yeah, so pretty much it just says that everyone is there. Every rancher, every horse herder, every just everybody is there. But the only real gunmen that are there are two of them sitting at the very end of the counter. Yep. And they are agitated. They are covered in dirt. They are tired looking and covered they're pissed out. Covered in Yes. Because they've been moving a whole bunch of uh, pine trees, essentially. Yeah. Trying to cover up things to hide from the affiliation boys. Which we learned last chapter, that's what they would be doing. Because yes. that's what Elders told them they were going to be doing. It says, Reynolds and DePape were tired, all right. They had spent the day out at Sitgo, camouflaging a line of empty steel tankers with nonsense words. Texaco, Sitgo, Sunaco, Exxon, printed on their sides. A billion pine bows they'd hauled and stacked, it seemed, but they had no con- they had no consequent plans to finish their drinking early. De Pape might have done so if her nibs had been available, but the young beauty, actual name Gert Moggins, had a ranch job and wouldn't be back until two nights hence. So yes, he uh he's he's very distraught that his probably underage youngin that he uh, fancied was not in town. And then we go back to Shimi still cleaning things up with the camel bucket. Yeah. Which we find out is just the bucket to which Shimi is going around and every unfinished drink is pouring into this bucket to which they'll put in a jug behind the bar and resell. Called camel piss. Yeah, and it, that's yeah, that's. Mm-hmm. See, the funny thing is, is that in the show Black Sails, mm-hmm. which is of course about the island of Nassau, I think that's how you say it. Um, no, um, she does the same. Uh, one of the main characters does the same same thing at the tavern she owns. Is at the end of the night or the beginning of the morning or whatever, she goes around and starts pouring all the. Mugs and stuff back into a pitcher. You gotta make money. Yeah. And it may be a little cheaper, but people will still pay for it. So, yes. It's, I mean, it's the last thing I'd want to drink, but... It says the jug was labeled fairly enough, camel piss, and a double shot could be obtained for three pennies. I don't know if that's good or bad compared to the rest <laughs> of the drinks, but I'm assuming good. It was a drink only for the reckless or the impecunious. I don't know. But a fair number of both passed beneath the stern gaze of the romp each night. But on this occasion, Shimi never made it to the camel piss jug behind the bar, behind the end of the bar. He tripped over the boot of the cowboy who had been, who had jerked forward and went to his knees with a grunt of surprise. The contents of the bucket sloshed out ahead of him. And followed Satan's first law of ma- whatever that is. Malignity, I think. To wit, if the worst can happen, it usually will. They drenched Roy de Pape from the knees down in an eye-watering mixture of beer, gaff, and white lightning. So, is this that pretty much way of saying Murphy's Law? That's Murphy's Law. Yeah, it's 100% Murphy's Law. <laughs> okay. Except they use Satan's first law. I mean, it pretty much is. Yeah. If something bad can't happen, it's gotta happen. Uh, what can go wrong will go wrong. Yes. Murphy's oh, Law. Murphy's Law. Which, of course, brings me to... Why I forget the name of the movie. They go to space. They go to space. They go to space, yeah. Really? Uh Are you sure? Positive. They go to space. He goes to space, and then she goes to space with him. Gravity? No. Uh, And they and what and years pass, but things go seventy years pass on Earth while like ten minutes pass where they are. God. I remember. I'm forgetting all actors' name. Um, Anne Hathaway. Interstellar. Interstellar. Yes. Interstellar. He names his daughter, daughter Murphy. Oh, okay. Her name is Murphy, which she gets made fun of a lot because of Murphy's Law. Um, Interstellar. I didn't know Anne Hathaway was in that movie. Yeah. Oh. She's the girl that goes up with him. Oh, okay. 
Anne Hathaway and McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. Oh, okay, yeah. Into Space. Directed by Christopher Nolan. Excellent movie. Yeah. My name is Murphy, so. Well, now that we went off into space. White lightning. So pretty much the entire bar goes silent. Yeah. The state, the pape, the state, the pape <laughs> stood perfectly still, inhaling the raw stench of alcohol as it rose. He didn't mind the smell. On the whole, it had the stink of pine gum. Hmm. Didn't mind the smell. On on the whole, it had the stink of pine gum. Beat six ways to peddler. What a wonderful phrase. He didn't mind the way the pants, his pants felt, uh, sticking to his knees either. It might have been a little. Bit of an irritation if some of that ju- joy juice had gotten down inside his boots, but none had. His hand fell to the butt of his gun. Here, by God and by goddess, was something to take his mind off the sticky hands, an absent whore, and s- good entertainment was ever worth a little wedding. So, so, pretty, yeah. so pretty much, he didn't mind beer and spit up. But it was a good excuse to really, just really stir up some entertainment and kill someone. Yeah, he he pretty much was like, I'm irritated as hell. I can't just haul off and shoot anybody. Somebody, please give me a reason to start a fight. Somebody give me a reason to kill somebody. And Shimi did exactly that. Good job, Shimi. Good job. At the pape's feet, Shimi looked up, his eyes big and fearful beneath the wild snarl of his black hair. He was trying his best to smile. Well now, boy, the pape said, you have wet me considerably. Considerable. Sorry, big fella, I go trippy trip. Shimi jerked a hand back over his shoulder. A little spray of camel piss flew from the tips of his fingers. Somewhere, someone cleared his throat nervously. Um... The hell you did, said the cowpoke who had jerked. He was about twenty and suddenly afraid he might never see his mother again. Don't you go trying to put your trouble off on me, you damned phoebe. I don't care how it happened, DePape said. He was aware he was playing for an audience and knew that what an audience mostly wants is to be entertained. Sigh R.B. DePape, always a trooper, intended to oblige. He pinched the corduroy of his pants above the knees and pulled the legs up, revealing the toes of his boots. They were shiny and wet. That they were. And this is where the barkeep decides to try to step in and just help Shimi out a smidge. A little. Because he appreciates the boy. Also saying that he could possibly be the father of the boy. Yeah. He didn't know. Which just means a lot of people slept with that woman. I was like, okay, that's fine too. Side of pape, he said taking a step forward and speaking in a low, respectful tone. I'm very sorry about that. I'll be happy to buy your drinks for the rest of the evening if we can just forget this regrettable... The Pate's movement was a blur, almost too fast to see. But that wasn't what amazed the people who were in the rest that night. They would have expected a man running with Jonas to be fast. What amazed them was the fact that he never looked around to set his target. He located Stanley by his voice alone. And then bashed him in the face with a gun. Yes. Poor and Stanley. Not feeling so like, well. And it's not just a normal in the movies pistol whip where it's like you get a cut on your face and you're like, oh. No, he loses three teeth. Yeah. It's, it's a really hard hit with the gun there. Meanwhile, Reynolds is literally just sitting at the end of the bar eating clams and is like, this is entertaining. I'm, I'm enjoying this. So he's watching it like he's watching a show. Clean my boots, he said. A look of muddled relief came onto, she- came onto Shimi's face. Clean his boots? Yes, you bet, right away. He pulled the rag he always kept in his back pocket. It wasn't even dirty yet. Not very, at least. No, DePape said patiently. Shimi looked at up at him, gaping and puzzled. Put that nasty clout back where it came from. I don't even want to look at it. Shimi tucked it into his back pocket. Lick him, the pape said in that same patient voice. That's what I want. 
You lick my boots until they're dry again and so clean you can see your stupid rabbit's face in them. Then we get some other weird descriptions and then followed by, Does I have to? Shimi's eyes were filling with tears. Can I just... I sorry and polish them real good? Lick, you feeble-minded donkey, the pape said. Shimi's hair fell across his forehead. His tongue poked ten tentatively, whatever word that is, out between his lips. And as he bent his head toward the pape's boot, the first of the tears fell. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! A voice said. It was shockingly, it was shocking in the silence. Not because it was sudden, and certainly not because it was angry. It was shocking because it was amused. I simply can't allow that. Nope, I would if I could, but I can't. Unsanitary, you see. Who knows what disease might be spread in such fashion. The mind quells. Absolutely. (laughs) Whatever word that is. Who knows what disease might be spread in such a fashion. The mind quails. Absolutely quails. Oh, quails. As in quails. Okay. (laughs) Okay, that's a fun way of going about that. Okay. Standing just inside the batwing doors was this purveyor of this idiotic and potentially fatal screed, a young man of middling height, his flat-crowned hat pushed back to reveal a tumbled coma of brown hair. Except young man... Except young man didn't really cover him. The paper realized young man was just drawing it heavy. He was only a kid. Around his neck, God's knew why. He wore a bird's skull, like an enormous comical mm-hmm. pendant. It was hung on a chain and ran through the eye hole. And in his hand was not a gun. Where would an unwhiskingly dribble like him get a gun in the first place? The pape wondered. But a slingshot. The pape burst out laughing. The kid laughed as well, nodding as if he understood how ridiculous the whole thing looked. How ridiculous the whole thing was. His laughter was infectious. Petty, still up on her stool, tittered herself before clapping her hand over her mouth. Probably a good idea. Probably the best. The pape just might just pull off and just shoot you because... (laughs) Oh, you think it's... Okay. If I'm not going to shoot this young man here, I'm going to shoot you instead. This is no place for a boy such as you, DePape said. His revolver and old five-shooter was still out. It lay in his fist on the bar, with Stanley Rue's blood dripping off the gun sight. DePape, without raising it from the ironwood, waggled it slightly. Boys who come to places like this learn bad habits, kid. Dying is apt to be one of them. So I give you this one chance. Get out of here. Thank you, sir. I appreciate my one chance, the boy said. He spoke with great and winning sincerity, but didn't move. Still, he stood just inside the batwing door, with the wide elastic strap of his sling pulled back. DePape couldn't quite make out what was in the cup, but it glittered in the gaslight, a metal ball of some sort. Well then, DePape snarled, this was getting old and fast. I, I know I'm being a pain in the neck, sir, not to mention an ache in the ass and a milky drip. But it's all the same to you, my dear friend. I'd like to give my chance to the young fellow on his knees before you. Let him apologize. Let him polish your boots with his clout until you're entirely satisfied. And let him go on living his life. Um, From the corner of his eye, DePape saw Reynolds moving to flank the boy, smooth as oiled silk. DePape appreciated the thought, but didn't believe he'd need much help with a slingshot specialist. Boy, I think you've made a mistake, he said in a kindly voice. I really believe the cup of the slingshot dipped a little, or DePape fancied it did. He had his, he made his move. You just don't know who you're messing with, DePape. You just don't understand. Yeah, okay, it's a kid with a slingshot. Boo-hoo-hoo, what a big deal. I've got a gun. Mmm. Do you, though? Do you really? 
they talked about it in Hambry for years to come, three decades after the fall of Gilead and the end of the affiliation, they were still talking. By that time, there were better than 500 old gaffers and a few old grammars claiming that they were drinking a beer in that rest that night and saw it all. The pape was young and had a had the speed of a snake. Nonetheless, never came close to getting a shot off on Cuthbert Algood. There was a <coughs> th- thwip twing as the elastic was released. A steel gleam that drew itself across the saloon, smoky air like a line on a slate board, and then the pape scream. His revolver tumbled to the floor, and a foot spun it away from him across the sawdust. No one would claim that foot while the big coffin hunters were still hambry. Hundreds claimed it after they were gone. I'm sure they did. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't me! It was totally me! I just kicked away! I made sure he didn't get his gun back. Exactly. You gotta be cool then. That's the mm-hmm. best time. Still screaming, he could hear... I mean, he could not bear pain. The pape raised his bleeding hand and looked at it with ag- agonizing, unbelieving eyes. Actually, he had been lucky. Cuthbert's ball had smashed the tip of the second finger and tore off a nail. Oh my god, that, has, that would hurt. Ah! Lower, and the pape would have been able to blow smoke rings through his own paw. Cuthbert, meanwhile, had already reloaded the cup of his slingshot and drew the elastic band again. Now, he said, if I have your attention, good sir, I can't speak for this, or for his, Reynolds said from behind him, but you get my partner. I don't know if you're going, if you're good with that thing or just lucky, but either way, you're done with it now. Relax the draw on it and put it down. The table in front of you use the place I want to see it. I've been blindsided, Cuthbert said sadly. Betrayed once more by my own Kali? Kali? Kalau? Kalau? Sure. Youth. Yeah, I keep in this. I don't know nothing about your Kalo youth, brother, but you've been blindsided, all right, Reynolds agreed. He stood behind and slightly to the left of Cuthbert, and now he moved his gun forward until the boy could feel the muzzle against the back of his head. Reynolds thumped the hammer, and the pool of silence which the tavern's rest had become. The sound was very loud. Now put that twanger, twanger, down. Come on, everybody knows what a slingshot is. Come on, boy, you're not that dumb. Uh, I think, good sir, that I must offer my regrets and decline. What? You see, I've got my trusty sling aimed at your pleasant friend's head, Cuthbert, again, uh, head, Cuthbert again, and when the pape shifted uneasily against the bar, Cuthbert's voice rose in a thwip crack that did not sound callow in at least. Stand still, move again, and you're a dead man. The pape subsided, holding his bloody hand against the pine tacky shirt. For the first time, he looked frightened. And for the first time that night, for the first time since hooking up with Jonas, in fact, Reynolds felt mastery of the situation. Felt mystery, mastery? Yes, mastery. Of a situation on the verge of slipping away. Except how could it be? How could it be when he had been able to circle around this smart-talking squirt and get the drop on him? This should be over. Lowered his voice to its former conversational, not to say playful pitch, Cuthbert said, If you shoot me, the ball flies and your friend dies too. I don't believe that, Reynolds said, but he didn't like what he was hearing of his own voice. It sounded like doubt. No man could make that make a shot like that. You say you say that. <laughs> you just saw what he just did. Why don't we just let your friend decide? Cuthbert raised his voice in a good-humored trail. Hi-ho there, Mr. Spectacles. Would you like your pal to shoot me? No! The pape cry was shrill, verging on panic. No, Clay, don't shoot. 
really want to test this. This seems like a bad idea. Don't shoot him. I don't want to die. I don't want the off chance that it still might hit me and die. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen. He could shoot me like he said. He could dodge out of the way and you could shoot me. (laughs) That'd be even funnier. So it's a standoff, Reynolds said, bemused. And then bemusement changed to horror as he felt the blade of a very large knife slip against his throat. It pressed the tender skin just over his Adam's apple. No, it's not, Elaine said softly. Put the gun down, my friend, or I'll cut your throat. So Cuthbert got the pape. Reynolds got Cuthbert. And Elaine's got Reynolds. (laughs) And now we have Jonas outside. He kind of just sees things. He's like standing outside watching the whole thing, but not doing anything and trying to figure out if he should do something. But very well knows that Will Dearborn is oddly absent from the area and doesn't want to move knowing he doesn't want to end up in the situation (laughs) that Reynolds just ended up in. Yes. So he, of course, looks around and is like, wait, I see something in the alley. Looks a little closer, and it's a cat. So he's like, okay, I'll go in. So he decides to go in. Says, Elaine heard the squeak of a hinge, but Jonas's gun was at his temple before he could even begin to turn. Sonny, unless you're a barber, I think you'd better put that pig sticker down. You don't get a second warning. No, Elaine said. Jonas, who had expected nothing but compliance and had been prepared for nothing else, was thunderstruck. What? You heard me, Helene said. I said no. I love how they're just... <laughs> even met with just death. Straight death. They're like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. So, we kind of just go a little bit to Will, who is just walking around, thinking of everything that happened, realizing how suspicious everyone in the town is, of course thinking of Susan and how pissed off he is still about her, but still yeah, in love with like her. Yeah, we get like two pages then, of nothing but him thinking about Susan. And it's one of the things that comes up. It says, Roland could forgive her the gil- gilly gilly. Well, we never decided what that was, did I we? I say gilly. gilly. That's what gilly I business? say. Okay. But I, mean, I could be wrong. What he could not forgive, in spite of his attraction to Susan, was that awful smile on Olive Thorne's face as she watched the girl sitting in what should have been her place. Sitting in her place and laughing. And the reason why he thought this is because it reminded him of his mother. And how he had found his mother in the state of shame that she was, pretty much. And so it just boiled up. And then he notices Jonas. It's chilling outside the Traveler's Rest, because he's mm-hmm. like... And Jonas is just peering inside watching, and he's like, if he's like that, it means something's going on. And being my friends were supposed to be there, I don't like this. So exactly. He, so he kind of chills off to the side for a minute, kind of steps into the shadows, and Jonas looks around and kind of looks in his direction, and then the cat meows, and Jonas goes in. And he's like... I gotta go. I gotta stop this. Whatever so, it is, I gotta do it. Of course. We've got Cuthbert on the pape. Reynolds on Cuthbert. Elaine on Reynolds. Jonas on Elaine. And of course, we're going to have Roland on Jonas. We're in t- this town on affiliation business, Elaine said. He had one hand buried deep in Reynolds' sweaty hair. The other maintained a steady pressure on the knife at Reynolds' throat. Not quite enough to break the skin. Seeing this, seeing if they would do a show properly, seeing this, seeing Alain just pull his head back into his throat, (laughs) it'd be awesome. Of course it would. I mean, you can imagine so much. Yes. But you can only imagine so much. That's why people like seeing live live actions adaptations of stuff. Yeah. They like seeing books brought to life because it's, l- it's less left to the imagination. You get to actually physically see something. You get to see these things you've imagined for so long come to life. It would just be when cool to right. see this little <laughs> leapfrog thing they have going on, pretty much. <laughs> but it says. If you harm us, the affiliation will take note. So will our fathers. You will be hunted like dogs and hung upside down. 
like as not when you're caught. Sonny, there's not an affiliation patrol within 200 wheels of here, probably 300, and I wouldn't care fart in a windstorm if there was one just over the over yon hill. Nor do your fathers mean a squitter to me. Put that knife down or I'll blow your brains out. No. <laughs> Future developments in this matter should be quite wonderful, Cuthbert said cheerily, while there was now a beat of nerves under his prattle. Not fear, perhaps. Not even nervousness. Just nerves. The good kind, more likely than not, Jonas thought sourly. He had underestimated these boys at meat. If nothing else was clear, that was... You shoot Richard, and Richard cuts Mr. Cloak's throat just as Mr. Cloak shoots me. My poor dying fingers release my sling's elastic and put a steel ball in what passes for Mr. Spectacle's brain. You'll walk away at least, and I suppose that will be a great comfort to your dead friends. Yeah, great comfort. Call it a draw, Elaine said to the man with the gun at his temple. We'll all stand back and walk away. <laughs> no, Sonny, Jonas said. His voice was patient, and he didn't think his anger showed, but it was rising. Gods to be outfaced like this, even temporarily. No one does like that to the big coffin hunters. This is your last chance to... Something hard and cold, and very much to the point, pressed against the back of Jonas's shirt, dead center between his shoulder blades. He knew what it was and who held it at once, understood the game was lost but couldn't understand how such a ludicrous, maddening turn of events could have happened. Holster the gun, the voice behind the sharp tip of metal said. It was empty somehow, not just calm, but emotionless. Do it now, or this goes in your heart. No more talk. Talking's done. Do it or die. Jonas heard two things in that voice, youth and truth. He holstered his gun. Because Jonah's not stupid. <laughs> not stupid at all. Actually, I mean, by far, out of his, the three the three of them, the smartest and best of the three. That's why he's, so he's the leader. <laughs> exactly. By far. But at this point, it's worked in such a way, there's no one to get rolling. No. <laughs> there's no one left. No one's going <laughs> to back you up. This is it. And Roland also being the leader... Yes, give him a reason to stab you. Because he will. And we'll just see how this unfolds. You with the black hair, take your gun out of my friend's ear and put it back in your holster. Now. Clay Reynolds didn't have to be invited twice, and he uttered a long, shaky sigh when Elaine took the blade off his throat and stood back. Cuthbert did not look around, only stood with the elastic of his slingshot pulled and his elbow cocked. You at the bar, Roland said. Holster up. DePape did so, grimacing with pain as he bumped his hurt finger against his gun belt. <clears throat> Only when his gun was put away did Cuthbert relax his hold on his sling and drop the ball from the cup into the palm of his hand. And that's kind of the end of the standoff. Yes. Because the Sheb, the piano guy, had ran off <laughs> and went and got the sheriff. Yeah. The big-bellied sheriff, Avery, out of bed to come try to deal with this. Like, he could actually do something. This man has so little power, it's not even funny. But. And, of course, Shimi is just over-thrilled. Like, just over-excited and happy and just grateful for Cuthbert. So he runs up to Cuthbert and, of course, is just like, instant friends. This is mine. I, I owe you everything. Oh, he does. <laughs> he really does. And then, of course, Bran. Because, I mean, he is terrified. For the best. He is terrified. And Avery takes them to the town gathering hall for a meeting. Yeah. Good chit-chat and all that crap. The room was filled with what were in the place and time called bareback benches. Oaken pews with no cushions for either butt or back. There were 60 in all, 30 on each side and wide of a wide center aisle. Jonas... The Pape and Reynolds sat on the front bench to the, bench to the left of the aisle. Roland, Cuthbert, and Elaine sat across from them on the right. Reynolds and the Pape looked sullen and embarrassed. Jonas looked remote and composed. Will Dearborn's little crew was quiet. Roland had given Cuthbert a look which hoped the boy could read. One smart remark and I'll rip your tongue right out of your head. He thought the message had been received. 
Bert has stowed his his idiotic lookout somewhere, which was a good sign. Yeah, we're all like, this is this is not, not the time. time. No. You are going to stay quiet. Or you're not going to have a tongue to say anything with. So pretty much Avery's just like I don't know why it was important that we had the freaking hangover cure. But yeah. I think the only thing that brought up was that he, it says, from hangover powder, you might say, from the old witch, the one who lives up the coos. Know where I mean? Avery gave Jonas a knowing look. The old gunny pretended not to see it, but Roland thought he had. And what did it mean? That's Another why I was mystery. here. To give them reasons to figure out who the witch is, what she is, yeah. what's going on with that. And know even more so that Avery and Jonas are more... Buddy, yeah. buddy, than they should be. And so that was pretty much it on that point. So they pretty much, Avery pretty much gives them a huge lecture about how they're all here for the same purpose, that the boys are supposed to be just doing their thing, and Jonas is supposed to be doing his thing, and they should not be in any sort of conflict, otherwise the entire thing is going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. So he tells them that he is making them all shake hands with each other and cry each other's pardon or they can all just leave. Just head west and never come back. Yeah. Empty threats. We all know this. Yeah, lots of empty threats. But it says, He could only hope that they would see where their self-interest lay. Roland did. So apparently did Jonas. For even as Roland got up, Jonas did the same. Avery recoiled a little bit, as if expecting Jonas to go for his gun and Dearborn for the knife in his belt, the one he'd been holding against Jonas's back when Amory came puffing up to the saloon. There was no gun or knife drawn, however. Jonas turned toward Roland and held out his hand. He's right, lad. Yes. Will you shake with an old man and vow to start over? Yes. Roland held out his hand. Jonas took it. I cry your pardon. I cry your own, Mr. Jonas. Roland tapped left hand at his throat, as was proper when addressing an elder in such fashion. And then, of course, Elaine and Reynolds and Cuthbert and DePape did the same. I think Cuthbert and DePape were the most... Yeah, that's <laughs> kind of what started it. It was mainly DePape. Yes, he... And, of course, Roland had that fear that throughout this process, Cuthbert was going to say something. Because He's going to do something. It, it, it's, it's, it's what he does. More often than not. And then, of course, we have the ominous, you know, mayhap we'll meet again sigh. And you're like, that's what every villain says ever when they meet each other, okay? <laughs> uh, you will. Trust me. There's plenty of book left. You will. The whole, like, eh, maybe I'll see you around. And you're like, yep, yep. You're shady. You're shady. We're almost done here. But we got a few final things that kind of need to be mentioned. The big coffin hunters were staying... In the Watchtower House, about a mile south of the seafront. Five miles out of town, this was. Halfway there, Jonas stopped at the turnpike beside the road. From here, the land made a steep, rocky descent to the brightening sea. Get down, mister, he said. It was the pape he was looking at. Jonas, Jonas, I get down. Biting his, his lip nervously, the pape got down. Take off your spectacles. Jonas? What's this about? I don't... Or, if you want them broke, leave them on. It's all the same to me. It's like you know what's coming. Just take off your glasses. It's fine. I'm going to hit you in the face. Take off your glasses. You don't want to broke. That's all I'm telling you. Take them off or I'm going to break them when I hit you. And you're going to take this. Because I'm the boss. And it's just going to happen. So he hits him in the face so hard that he almost falls off the friggin' cliff. Jonas catches him, mm -hmm. but it's just one of those, like, you could have just lost your dude. Could I ought to toss you right over the edge, he breathed. Do you know how much harm you've done? I, Jonas, I never meant. Just a little fun is all I... How w was we supposed to know they... Jonas... Or slowly, Jonas' hand relaxed. That last bit of babble had gone home. How was they supposed to know? That was ungrammatically, ungrammatical, but right. 
And if not for tonight, they might they might not have known. If they looked at it that way, the pape had actually done them a favor. The devil you know was always preferable to the devil you didn't. Still, word would get around, and people would laugh. Maybe even that was all right, though the laughter would stop in due time. Jonas, I cry your pardon. Shut up, Jonas said. In the east, the sun would shortly heave itself over the horizon, casting its first gleams of the new day in this world of toil and sorrow. I ain't going to toss you over, because then I'd have to toss clay over and follow along after myself. Close enough. They got to the drop. They got the drop on us. The same as you, right? The pape wanted to agree, but thought it might be dangerous to do so. Probably, probably the best. Get down here, Clay. Clay slid down, slid off the mount. Now, hunker. The three of them hunkered on the boot soils, heels, boot, boot soils, heels up. Jonas plucked a short grass between his lips. Affiliation, brats, is what we were told. And we have no reason not to believe it, he said. The bad boys are sent all the way to mages. A sleepy barony on the clean sea on a make-work detail that two parts penance and three parts punishment. Ain't that's what we were told, they nodded. Either you believe it after tonight? The pape shook his head, so did Clay. They may be rich boys, but that's not all they are, the pape said. The way they were tonight, they were like... He trailed off, not quite willing to finish the thought. It was too absurd. Jonas was willing. They acted like gunslingers. Neither Jonas nor Reynolds replied at first. Then Clay Reynolds said, They're too young, Eldred. Too young by years. Not too young to be apprentices. May happen any case. We're going to find out. He turned to the pape. You've got some riding to do, Cully. Ah, Jonas... All right, this is, he sends good old Jonas, buddy. You're gonna get on the horse, and you're gonna follow their back trail, and you're gonna ride and ride and find as much information you can till you think that my curiosity is satisfied, and then you can come back. Pretty much, you're gonna talk to anybody and see if they know where these people came from and why. If they talked to anybody along their way, anything. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile. Reynolds and Jonas were going to figure out what they can do about them now. What research or investigation they can do to the boys right now. And try to give them a message like, hey, we know what's going on. And so pretty much we just get back to Cuthbert and them. And it says that Cuthbert, of course, is trying to get into his humorous ways again. And no That's, what it. That's what he does. That's what he does. Well, that was an amusing and instructive evening, was it not? Neither Roland nor Lane replied, so Cuthbert leaned over to the rook's skull. What say you, old friend? Did we enjoy our evening? Dinner, a circle dance, and almost killed the top things off? Did you enjoy? The lookout only stared ahead. He says he's too tired for talk. So am I, actually. He looked at Roland. I got a good look into Mr. Jonas's eyes after he shook hands with you, Will. He means to kill you. Roland nodded. They mean to kill all of us, Elaine said. Roland nodded again. We'll make it hard for them, but they know more about us now than they did at dinner. We'll not get behind them that way again. No. No, you won't. And it just ends with Roland dreaming about Susan. Yeah, it's pretty much just... Roland stares off and says, What do you see, Roland? Elaine asked almost timidly. Trouble, Roland said. And in our road. And that is the end of chapter six. Chapter seven. On the drop. Dun, dun, dun. How big will this chapter be? Oh, 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 oh. It is somewhere back in here. <laughs> there we go. That doesn't look too big. Same. 35 to 64. Almost 30 pages. No. A little bigger. A little bigger. Not terrible. We'll be moving to Beneath the Peddler's Moon, Chapter 8, next week. Whew! 
We're just moving. We are. We are. We're, we're getting there. We're getting there. We'll get to the book eventually. <laughs> I do much prefer to have paper. Thanks so much, easier. I can just glance at the bigger text sitting right here. When I remember to do it once every blue moon. It's okay. I've started I, I, because I've been reading like really, really close to when we've recorded. It's like I've stopped taking notes because that's like I can remember everything. And it's like unless there's something major like a huge plot point that I'm like, wait, I didn't realize this the first time that I was talking around. Like I don't even remember what note I wrote. Um, the hurry up wagon was one of them. Just <laughs> that they called, I, I assume the uh, death, like a hearse pretty much the hurry up wagon I don't it was weird I was like what the hell yeah the closer you read something or watch something to when we actually film it's a lot easier plus I mean this chapter was pretty straightforward uh, with the only information we really really had that was really important was like that main the standoff was yeah. the, the the cool thing the fun thing to read through I mean we read literally like five pages <laughs> of the book just in that because it was just it was just, it was a cool moment yes Visually interesting. Visually, huh? Yeah, visually. Okay, visually. It's all up In the here. mind. All, all up here. All right. But I hope you all enjoyed. Throw a like on the video if you actually liked it if you got this far. 30. Yeah, works cool. Throw a subscription on the channel because we appreciate that too if you got this far. And uh, throw a comment down below. Let us know what you think about the book. Are you guys reading along? Have you already read it? Did you catch something we didn't? Please enlighten us. I'm sure there's plenty of lightning that you can do. Um, or you can just lightning us, I guess. Just zap us. It's fine. That works too. That seems a little much. But as always, you can reach me at Stars on Travel, reach Amanda, KSE Pup, reach the show beyond our focus, everywhere, including YouTube and podcast services around the globe. Maybe. Maybe. Midworld. The Traveler's there. Rest. Some places. Any final thoughts before we. Awesome possum. Read more. Yes. I can't even read more. We talk about. Till next time. Long days and pleasant nights. I have a tail. You, you have a tail. That's what I was looking. <laughs>